It's the Stazapod, and for no other reason other than to just say hi. Let's go. So at the time of recording, there's a, a single day left in the fundraising campaign. I'm not going to go over the specifics of how much is raised or was raised because by the time this is published, it could be a very different sort of uh, ending than anticipated. But um, to say the least, I'm, I'm endlessly thrilled with how it went. Uh, I knew that launching a campaign during, you know, the most difficult time in my lifetime as well as probably a hundred year period not a great idea especially not when people are sort of struggling but my feeling was if we could focus on a small project that allowed people to escape from the realities of life and uh, just kind of focus our our spare change found in in the sofa cushions Maybe we could generate some good vibes, and it, and I feel like we did exactly that, and it's been a lot of fun. And um, regardless of what the final tally is, I think this has been, you know, a wonderful experiment, and I thank you guys for coming along with me on it. Another big milestone. It seems no coincidence that all these things are are firing at the same time. Uh, the Instagram of Toy Pizza has finally reached that huge milestone of 10,000 followers. Now, 10,000 is very significant for Instagram, but also most social media platforms. Uh, but it's significant on IG because you can then start tagging items in your uh, feed. So when we post a picture of Hackerman, we can link that to the store. Uh, you also get sort of more favorable uh, organic search traffic. There's a lot of things that come with hitting that, that 10K threshold. The uh, applause for that milestone is due solely to Nikki Fung. Uh, I really do not manage the Instagram. I have very little to do with it other than sort of sending him images and um, ideas and stuff like that. But uh, largely that has been Nikki's baby. Um, and he's done a wonderful job, and it took five years, but we didn't spend a cent to get those followers. We have no sort of, uh, you know, we have no bots liking our stuff, as far as I know. It's been all organic and all fueled by you guys. Also, I looked it up this morning, just about 75,000 uses of the toy pizza hashtag on Instagram. I think that's pretty exceptional as well. That's a, that's, you know... A lot of people utilizing the Toy Pizza name as part of the language that goes along with collecting and action figures and toys. And I think that that's real. You know, you can't sort of manufacture that or force that to happen. It's, it's been uh, quite a five years, to say the least. So I feel uh, really, really energetic and like we're in a great position because of this fundraising campaign because of the fun we've had along the way and because of hitting that 10k milestone I think um, you know it always feels like we're turning a new chapter and and sort of things are expanding and we're entering new territory it really feels like we're profoundly at that moment right now yet again
went to the drive-in theater last night. It, it's been absolute perfect weather for drive-in theater. We went to the drive-ins a lot during the summer. When it's really hot and buggy, it's not a lot of fun to do. But because I don't dare set foot in a traditional movie theater, and I'm lucky enough to live in an area with two long-standing drive-in theaters that go back decades and decades and have consistently been open and showing films, but also a new uh, pop-up drive-in theater run by sort of younger, more contemporary people. Um, so there's a lot of options for drive-in movies. Um, I intend to, to keep going as long as weather permits and, and they're open. But uh, there's a very special film showing last night that I had never seen but have wanted to see for a very long time. And uh, I'm glad I waited to see it on the big screen. This is Brian De Palma's Phantom of Paradise. You may not have seen it, but you recognize the main character from this film. Uh, it has been enormously influential on an entire generation of Japanese designers. So you will recognize this main character. I would also argue, given that this film was 1974, I think that a little piece of Darth Vader is actually based on the Phantom. This movie is very much unlike the rest of Brian De Palma's sort of filmography. Uh, it feels very inspired by uh, cocaine, quite frankly, and also Yordovsky, uh, El Topo, and Holy Mountain seem to pop to mind uh, in the forefront. Very, very spastic, psychedelic, weird film, but great, fantastic. Really sticks with you. It truly, in the way I was recommending Feels Good Man as a documentary that sort of encapsulates this moment in time perfectly, so too does Phantom of Paradise perfectly encapsulate 1974. I don't think you could remake this film. I don't think, you know, it could never, it just wouldn't work under a microscope. There's so many different weird, disparate elements going on here that form to make this very, very 1974 film. And uh, it's quite wonderful, honestly. It's, uh, it's, it, you just, you, you have to see it. But I digress. Let's talk about The Phantom because you may not realize or you may sort of subconsciously have understood that this character's had a profound influence, especially on a lot of Japanese character designs. If you look up any of the posters or anything about the main character, obviously there have been some pretty contemporary Metacom uh, literal licensed product based on Phantom of Paradise. Um, but I'm not talking about that. There is stuff that goes back to the sort of dawn of our age of action figure collectibles. Um, you may recognize a lot of the influence in some of the darker characters that are in Digimon, uh, Lady Devimon, and uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, but Apokaramon. They both um, owe a huge debt to Phantom of Paradise. There's also the feuder models, um, Resurrection of Montress figure line. Uh, Phaetana is 100% a female sort of gender swap of this character, uh, including, you know, her synthesizers and several helmets that, uh, you know, let you customize her look and that 
sort of look more and more like uh, the Phantom's helmet from the film. But the most famous borrowing of this motif uh, goes to our boy Griffith from Berserk. Um, his helmet and then his sort of god hand incarnation and also uh, really the, the garb he has when he's the prisoner who sort of gets tortured and maimed. Um, they all are directly lifted from Phantom of Paradise and um, truly speaks to what a great sort of costume design this is, especially that helmet. Uh, but it, the influence is sort of ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And uh, if you go back and take a look, you will see, you know, what I'm talking about. It, it, has, it just sort of spread like an oil slick into, you know, the minds of, of an entire generation of creative people. As far as the film goes, it's sort of a, a mashup of uh, Faust and Phantom of the Opera, retold in a sort of at the time, contemporary context of, you know, uh, pop music and rock and roll and, and things like that. Um, I think the less I say about it, actually, the better. Just go and watch it if you haven't seen it already. If you have seen it, you know what I mean. Like, this is a, you know, this is a substantial piece of work. And, um, boy, just really great. I'm still sort of abuzz from watching it. And uh, you guys check it out. You let me know what you think. And I think also, very appropriate film as we get into the spooky season. If you need some spooky vibes, this is going to produce it for you. No question. Also, I did neglect to mention there is a character simply called Beef in the movie, which I think... <laughs> works in great with the motif of Knights of the Slice and, you know, my toy creations. But we're moving on to a different topic, my friends. Single character artists. I've been thinking about this a lot. I think actually, to my detriment, my inability to focus on a single character has actually affected um, the sort of commerciability of the work that I do. Um, I think of, you know, an artist like Koss, or even, um, even Ugly Dolls to some extent. While there is a, a, quite a great variety of Ugly Dolls within that, David Horvath sort of came up with the look and the line weight and the, you know, the overall feeling of a character and just sort of iterated on that endlessly. Um, there's any number of sort of contemporary character design examples of this. The, the majority of, you know, properties, I, I think, or at least creator-led properties, really just kind of hone in on a single character, single motif, and just iterate and iterate and iterate. I've never been able to do that. And I think it is, uh, in the immediacy, and probably in a financial way, it is to my detriment. Um, I think if I had just... I don't know, focused on somebody like Hob or whatever the case may be and just iterated on that. Just hit that button over and over again. It got really, really good at drawing and coming up with different versions and, you know, the repetition. I think that we'd be looking at a very different world, right? I would have something really 
financially feasible and sellable and investable, if that's a word. Um, but that never appealed to me, you know, I, it probably in part to brain chemistry, you know, I'm sure I'm on the spectrum for quite a few things. Um, I can't sit and focus on any one character or any one story or any, you know, anything that's simplistic and easy to pitch in an elevator. That's just not the way my brain works and it's just not the way I put stories on a page. And so, what are we left with? We're left with this sprawling, multi-year <laughs> cast of hundreds of different characters. Uh, but I gotta tell you, I wouldn't have it any other way. And if that means that I toil with the audience I have now and it never grows beyond that, sounds blissful to me. Sounds absolutely perfect. If I never have to have bigger considerations of sort of, I don't know, corporate overlords or people who have invested in a property or, uh, you know, a massive audience worldwide that I have to carry the water for, I'm totally okay with that. I think if, if this is obscurity, uh, I'm perfectly happy. It's great. You know, we get to make the toys we want to make. I get to tell the stories I want to tell without having to answer to anybody or meet arbitrary deadlines or, you know, worry about censorship. And uh, I don't really have a reason for saying this stuff other than I was thinking on, you know, these massive single character enterprises and their influence and, and, you know, really how great they are, but how very different that is from, you know, what we're building together and also where my interests lie. So let me know what you think. Should I have, all those years ago, just honed in and focused on one single character? Would I be kicking back in a, a kiddie pool full of pudding, let's say? Gold-plated pudding. Would that be my life now? I don't know. You let me know. So now let's talk about all things October regarding sales, the action figure of the month, bundles, mofos, etc., etc. To start off, if you are waiting to preserve the surprise of action figure of the month for October, pause this Dostazapod now. I'm going to get into heavy spoiler territory. So you have been warned from this point on. I'm going to speak to you as if you have already received your action figure of the month for October. And, uh, you know, beware. So, obviously, as was announced last year when we were doing the campaign, Michael Scottam is the designer of this month's action figure of the month figure for October. Very appropriate. Uh, I wanted to get October out early to you guys. It seems like we accomplished that. Um, I do think it's good timing because we are starting to turn our brains over into the spooky season. I do love October. I do love Halloween. So, uh, And plus, I have a ton of shit planned for this month, this upcoming month. So I wanted to get that out of the way so that we could really hone in and focus on these... Uh, couple of themed sales that are going to be going on. Let's talk about Michael's design. It's fantastic. I told him he could do whatever he wanted. 
he gravitated naturally towards the Hackerman figure. He was, of course, the designer of the Baghead accessory, the double-sided ghoul that you guys love so much. So uh, I'm very proud to present the Dew Ghoul, D-E-W Ghoul. Um, Michael really didn't capitulate over what he wanted to do. He had a pretty concise idea. He wanted to do a Mountain Dew clear style figure. <laughs> and um, he came up with the, the Great Mouth Deco, which I think is what really makes it Michael's character. You know, without that Mouth Deco, I don't think it would work, quite frankly. Um, was not easy to get the exact color we were looking for. It took a little bit of back and forth with plastic sourcing, but I feel like we got it. It's sort of a, almost a urine <laughs> Uh, color, which is appropriate for Mountain Dew. Uh, while it did sort of put me beyond the monthly budget for Action Figure of the Month to include all of his accessories and everything, I had to do it. I, I spent a little extra this month. I also spent extra on making sure you guys had a second holofoil sticker. That was very important to me. Uh, but uh, I don't consider it money lost. I think it's that's a good place to sort of blow your budget and go a little bit above and beyond. As far as story and stuff like that, I I haven't written one for this character. I think it's just fun enough as it is. You guys can come up with your own. Maybe in the future he'll make a cameo or we'll have like a really good narrative hook for him. But I think for the time being, just take this as a fun, seasonal, gimmicky figure and uh, just appreciate it. It's really great. And it's always... Wonderful to work with Michael Scottum. You guys can follow him at Draculaser on Instagram. Super talented guy. He also just released a cassette of some music. You guys should check it out. Definitely will fit in well with Halloween. I'll tell you that much. Um, so, obviously, a lot of people are asking, how do they get a hold of this figure if they're not in the Action Figure of the Month club? So, I'm still finalizing how I want to roll things out in October. So please be patient with me. I have spoke about an October bundle. I'm still finalizing those details, so please be patient with me. Um, I will make available through Patreon this uh, Action Figure of the Month figure, the surplus of it, through the same metrics that we usually do. You can pre-order this figure within the, probably the next couple days if you're not already an Action Figure of the Month Club member. You are a patron in good standing. And you haven't, for some reason, already come upon this figure or bought it off the black market or X, Y, and Z. So if you meet that criteria, I want to deal with you first. And I will sort of probably set up a SKU with a password and send it to you guys, as we have done in the past. Action Figure of the Month September. Many people have been asking about this. This is the Cross Skulls figure. Will I be offering him? Cross Skulls is actually headed for the store to tie into a Shatterfront-specific release and story. Um, I had to hold him back because he sort of gives context to a newer character that I want to introduce from the Shatterfront world. And um, I just didn't want to sort of... There's not going to be a ton of him. He's probably going to go pretty quick. But I did want to sort of put him in the store at the time when this other character is in the store. 
and it will sort of, I'm being vague now, but it will make sense when that happens. So there are surplus of that that still exists. Uh, you know, if you can't wait, I'm sure you can trade up or check the secondary market, but I would say there's, you know, you'll have another shot at cross skulls in the near future. And uh, you will have a shot at action figure of the month, October. And if you just want to get a second one of these, you got two options. You can wait for the public sale and buy literally a duplicate copy, or there's going to be a material style version of this figure with the mouth deco, but in that sort of clear piss green, yellow green, um, that will be available in the store. Now, there's not going to be a ton of inventory for this material style Scottum Knight, and uh, there's not going to be a ton of inventory for the fully painted Action Figure of the Month Club version, but they will be available at some point. Um, this brings me to the October bundle that I talked about. Now, I, I perfectly understand that um, people do not like blind bundles, and they prefer to know what they're getting in a pre-order bundle. And I totally understand that. I have to keep certain things blind because I do not want to reveal the surprise that's going to roll out during a public sale. If you're not comfortable with buying blind, which I don't blame you, just wait for the public sales. I think that that is, you know, a reasonable exchange. The Halloween bundle that I'm trying to put together, it contemplates quite a few things, namely waiting for items to leave China and get here, which is always kind of a question mark. So I, I can't commit to what's in it, um, and I'm not asking for money today. So this will we'll figure this out within the next week or two, and then it will be made available. It's likely going to be around a $90 to $100 bundle. It's going to include different items. Um, in that bundle will be the material style of the Dugul. Dugul 2, I call them. Uh, so if that's a figure you're eyeballing, you know at least this bundle will contain that. As far as Halloween stuff goes, uh, I think I've said before and I'll say again, I, I have not done any black and orange figures. <laughs> I, I know... Um, that's what people want when they think Halloween stuff, they think blind releases, etc. That's not my style. Um, I know that there were three people that were disappointed with the Shikan and Kaldor Hyper Knight Halloween bundle released last year. Three total. That sort of at least communicated to me they're disappointed in it. Um, those figures now go for quite a bit. Whether or not it was what people were expecting, whether or not people ended up liking them ultimately, you know, all of that is beyond my control. I can only sort of put together figures and bundles that I find compelling to myself. And generally speaking, I think people feel like they do get their money's worth and they do get something interesting. Uh, I do not shy away from controversial picks that maybe are not what people are expecting. Um, you know, as I've said, our credo has become... You might go broke, but you will never go bored collecting Knights of the Slice. And I do adhere to that. I will give you a little teaser about one of the October releases. It is going to be a character we know and love in his Halloween costume. So he will be dressed like a character, maybe from our world. 
that we know and love. Um, and I'm not going to say more than that. I'll leave it to you to speculate what that could be. But again, there's not going to be any black and orange, very literal Halloween figures in October. But there are going to be spooky things, costume things, fun things, clear things. I think you're going to dig it. Um, how the sales sort of roll out in October, I don't know yet. I think we're looking at probably three sales. One of them would be sort of Frankenslice focused with also some restocks. I have a couple errant figures that got returned or were never claimed that I want to put up in the store. Um, maybe another like random material style or something like that. So, uh, I think that's what we're looking at in October. Again, I'm still finalizing everything. I'm still waiting on ship dates. Uh, but generally, there's going to be, you know, I think about three offerings. And I'll do my best to, you know, have some limited quantities up for patrons ahead of time. But I think if, generally, if you you dig the vibe and the tra- trajectory we're on and you have the extra cash, um, probably signing up for... The Halloween bundle is going to be, you know, uh, it's probably going to save you a little bit of headache. Even if you get one item you're not crazy about. Um, So that's where we sort of stand regarding October and Halloween bundle. Of course, all this could change. still being worked on, like I said. So what does the rest of the year look like if that's what October looks like? Uh, Somebody asked, are we getting mofos in October? We are not, but we're very close. I think likely MoFos is going to be either a November or December focus. Um, MoFos, of course, the Soup Man, Mark Mosman's wonderful project, our sort of crossover collaboration. Um, I, I think probably November's the very earliest, might be more like December, but it will happen this year. And um, I think it, you know. There will be also additional releases next year as well for the Suitman, the Mofos. Uh, rounding the corner on the Mofos mini comic by J.B. Rowe, fantastic artist. Very excited about that and looking forward to sharing it with you guys. Um, as requested, there will be a sort of all-in bundle for Mofos. I, I don't know if all-in is the right term, but there's going to be a big box of Mofos if you guys want it. And... Uh, you know, we will make that available to patrons first, of course. So that's MoFos. We got a little bit of time there. The rest of the year. Well, we only have November and December left. That means uh, there's only going to be two to three patron gifts that are material style before it switches over to the full club in January. Um, The action figure of the months for November and December are locked. I could actually start packing them up, and I might do that in the near future. Uh, As I've stated before, probably the most important story in the Knights of the Slice world is the Elegy story. And I've released part one of that story that tied into the August Neowise night that was found underneath Subsidy. Parts two and parts three are going to roll out in November and December, respectively. And they will tie into those months' action figure of the month figures. This is a really huge, crucial, groundbreaking story, and uh, I, you know, I'm almost reticent to release it because it does 
it's a big paradigm shift, and it does sort of change the game of Knights of the Slice. So, but uh, it's a story that must be told. I'm gonna have to finish the artwork sooner than later. That's gonna happen. Um, like I said, November and December. I've already told you that December is really a focus on Saima. This was kind of her year. You know, I think she debuted in December of last year, if I'm not mistaken. And um, we are going to not close out her story arc, but we're going to tell a little bit more of her story. And I think it's going to be surprising, heartbreaking, funny, all those things. And um, I, for one, am looking forward to it. I have some really, really classic Night of the Slice characters from the the BLT story arc that we never got to do in figure form that are done and they're on their way. Um, I would like to get to them this year. I think actually one of the figures could arguably fit into a Halloween release, but like I said, there's much to ponder here, so I'm not entirely sure. But uh, I feel I'm happy to kind of go back and get to do characters that weren't possible to do previously and revisit some old favorites and and also upgrade some of the background characters that really have not gotten very much to do lately. Um, I'm excited about all that. And I've been uh, burning the midnight oil with my iPad, scribbling and drawing and putting together new comics, and also we have Ian Emling out there churning out beautiful, beautiful artwork. He's going to be uh, helping us at least until the end of the year in that capacity. So there's going to be a lot more visually interesting things to feast on, and that's going to help the storytelling quite a bit, so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm not going to do any more fundraising for the rest of this year. There is a very big Glios fundraiser heading to Kickstarter in the near future. Um, I think actually I may get the creator on to Stazapod and we'll have a one-on-one talk about that. So I think that will be a lot of fun and very cool. There's also some some big and great action figure Kickstarters heading to the platform in October as well. I think uh, Stardusk, is that the right name? Kind of like, uh, look like Mass Effect six-inch figures. Um, I know they're heading there, and I think also one or two other big names that are going to finally launch campaigns. So it's going to be a huge time for independent toys. And, um, you know, I think you can you can be excited by Hasbro Pulse and the re-release of Kenner Ghostbuster <laughs> Nerf guns that I don't think anybody asked for. Or you can laser focus on all these independent ventures that are launching and doing good. Um, I don't really want to talk about Hasbro Pulse because I, I was only sort of half paying attention. I think there's a couple cool things. I think there's a lot of garbage. Uh, maybe we'll get into that during the Distazapod Q&A. I'm sure people already have their questions queued up for that regarding Hasbro Pulse. But I would say on the whole, um, the independent toy movement is a thousandfold more interesting than anything Hasbro Pulse rolled out. Uh, this big Glios Kickstarter that's going to happen momentarily, that is infinitely more interesting than that. 
the Stardusk, if that is the name of the line, uh, Kickstarter is so much more compelling than what Hasbro Pulse showed us. And uh, some of these other Kickstarters that may or may not have been announced yet, way, way more interesting, more fun, and more deserving of your money than anything the mega toy corporations are putting out. So if it makes you happy, buy it by all means. But I think that we can shape the future of toys by where we put our money. Do we want more the real Ghostbuster literal re-releases of toys that are plentiful and easy to find? Is that where we want, you know, to spend our money? Do we want the flip head Power Ranger blocky chest monstrosities, but now they're revamped with more articulation, even uglier? Do we want to focus on that? Do we want to reward that? Or do we want to put our money into independent creators who are risking it all? So ask yourself that question. And ultimately, it comes down to do what makes you happy. This is your hobby. You should not sort of be bogged down by, uh, you know, virtue and purity. But, um, you know, a $30 purchase to my campaign or to any of these other indie joints is going to mean a hell of a lot more in the good vibes department than uh, backing something even admittedly as cool as the Razor Crest, which, look, I'm wrestling with whether <laughs> I want that or not. It looks really cool, right? But uh, I think ultimately, instead of plunking down the $329 or however much it is, I'm probably going to give all that money to these upcoming launches on Kickstarter. But uh, you do you. That's just some food for thought. And that's really all I got to share today. I do want to, again, thank everybody for, yes, the campaign and the contributions and, and you know, just how incredible that's been. But also just generally, thanks for being good people. Thanks for helping us cultivate a community that, you know, welcomes new people, helps them get the older styles they're missing just generally, I, I still hold to the fact I think we have the best community online uh, of any fan base. I really do. And I thank you guys for that. And uh, thanks for not being trolls. With that, the only thing left to say is pizza out.